0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a rather rare solo edition of the Toogie's Take podcast. It's been a weird day for a lot of you up in Canada, Endo Mills included, as the Rogers outage has just completely disrupted what we planned for this episode. Endo unavailable. Originally, as well, too, we were going to have a name notable, From the Twitch chat side of things over on Twitch.tv forward slash Tiki24, known as Big Nate, he's been the top donor for the last couple of charity streams I have done. He was the top donor this time as well and was going to cash in his prize of being a guest on the podcast, especially as a fan of the Montreal Canadiens after last night's draft. And uh, unfortunately, those plans all thrown into flux. So hopefully heading into next week, Endo will be back. Hopefully, we'll have Nate on the show soon as well. And then uh, Finn and Sinland. yes, I know what I said. He's still overseas. I don't know if we're ever getting him back at this point. So, for now, couldn't really bring in anybody's short notice. It's like, ah, let's just get this done. Especially, too, because, hey, I could ask around and people be like, sorry, I have Rodgers, and we still don't know. What's going on? So it's been a bit of a weird day, but we are here to talk about everything. I am here to talk about everything that's happened in the hockey world over the past 24 to really 48 hours or so. I will mention if you want kind of more of my initial reaction to night one of the draft, I did put up about a half an hour long video on the YouTube side of things that uh, carried over from a Twitch stream where you know, again, I was able to kind of give those early opinions on what happened that day and what happened in round one. I will be talking about the draft, we'll be talking about the signings and the trades. It's uh it's been nice. It's been nice. That's the best thing that I can think to say. Heading into this draft, it felt like it was gonna be the same old, same old, high hype, don't deliver or under deliver. And ultimately, no, this did deliver in a pretty big way and certainly sets the stage for what is uh, an increasingly more interesting free agency period coming up I think on the 13th I believe is the start of that so this upcoming Wednesday so it's going to be uh, interesting as well but as we always do or at least as I always do I'm so lonely <laughs> wanted to mention right out of the gates that this show is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped you can use code to at checkout to get 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping again when you use the code to at checkout at manscaped.com. I don't have any funny jokes or puns about shaving your balls this time or circular deodorant or anything like that. If you've listened or watched the podcast for a while, we've kind of said everything that can be said. But again, thank you to those of you that have used the code and a big thank you to Manscaped for sticking with the podcast. Now, to try something a little bit different, normally when it's just me by myself, we skip out on the viewer questions. Not this time! Let's go to them. Of course, Discord. The link is in the description, whether or not you're watching on YouTube or on an audio platform. Join up and leave your questions in our podcast questions section like these fine people did. We're going to start off with AJ, noted Vancouver Canucks fan. What do you think about the Canucks memeing the draft and taking another Elias (laughs) Pedersen? I loved it. Uh, I, I didn't catch the majority of rounds two through seven obviously saw what happened afterwards that was probably the highlight because what were the odds that there was another Elias Petterson available I mean I guess they were relatively high but it's not like a, a Joe Johnson or something or something like that I I don't know I I thought it was great he's a defenseman too so I I enjoyed it at the very least. Uh, from RG Dust. Oh, boy. Would you rather have The Rock and Henry Cavill as your baby daddy's ba- baby daddy? The Rock and Henry Cavill. So they're both my dads. Or Chris Hemsworth and John Cena. So what, would I rather my two fathers be The Rock and Henry Cavill or Chris Hemsworth and John Cena? Hmm. I feel, okay, so basically the comparisons, you'd think the comparisons would be The Rock and John Cena, both as former wrestlers, but they're not. The comparisons to me here are The Rock and Chris Hemsworth. And I feel like Chris Hemsworth would just be kind, I don't know, would he be easier to hang out with? I don't know, For some, I feel like despite the fact that Chris Hemsworth is shredded, there's less pressure to be in shape around him than there is around The Rock, even though The Rock's a really good guy. And I feel like I feel like Dwayne, if I can call him that, I mean, if he's my dad I can, in this hypothetical situation, I can call him that. I feel like Dwayne would probably get annoyed because I'm a big wrestling fan. And, you know, he has, he. well, then again, he talks about it all the time on Instagram. Okay. I'm going to go with The Rock and Henry Cavill. Uh, The Rock, just because it's The Rock, and Henry Cavill, because he's a gigantic fucking nerd, just like I am. He loves video games and other nerdy shit, so I think I could get along with those two quite well. And not that John Cena and Chris Hemsworth seem like bad people, but that's a clear answer for me. Jesus, these next two. Okay, from Ryan Cole, just going to put you on blast. If you had to have sex with one U.S. president, who would it be? And why? <laughs> now, I should say he also said, and why would it be uh, Barack Obama? Um, I, I don't think, I, you know, I, I don't think it would be Obama. I don't think it would be. Now, the question wasn't whether or not it was a living president. And that it's a, it's a fair thing. It's a fair distinction. You know, am I allowed to go back in time and hang out with William Howard Taft the fattest president of all time. I feel like he and I have some things in common, could be a fun night. Um you know, there's there's some other there's some other options. Um I've been to parts of the internet where they <laughs> That sentence. I've been to Reddit. Uh there there was a subreddit thread once upon a time that I recall seeing, where the term wasn't necessarily what president did you want to have sex with, but what presidents and congratulations to me for the first use of this term on this podcast. What president would you essentially uh, hate fuck? So that that's potentially a factor as well. Just you know, you got to consider it. Are we going? Are we going for the enjoyment factor? Or are we going as a time for you to get fucked for once instead of society? You see how I put this all together. Barack Obama. <laughs> um, I feel like Bill Clinton's done some freaky shit. Uh, Taft. William Howard Taft. And the final question from Hawks. Another hypothetical. Shocker. You're on vacation. You can pick up one go-to drink of alcoholic variety to consume. What would it be and why? And again, it's the worst question. Like again, Sin does not drink. I think Endo barely drinks, and I very, very rarely. I I had an alcoholic seltzer on the Fourth of July because I'm I'm tough. Um, uh, yeah, alcoholic questions don't really do anything. Uh, but if you have to ask me what president I'll have uh, I'll have sex with, I don't think I can make hate fuck the title of the episode. If you have to ask me something like that, boy, I'll have an answer for you oh boy you know this podcast has taken some twists and turns there have been some eras of the show you know obviously the initial era was was Deej and I and then it was just Edno and I and then Sin and I and now we're in the the hate fuck era (laughs) life will never be the same thank you guys for the questions as always appreciate it very much Let's get into talking about some hockey, because that's what we're supposed to do here. Oh, boy. Okay, so before we get into the draft, there's a bunch of other things, of course, that happened surrounding the draft. I want to talk about some of the signings, some of the bigger signings and trades that have happened. Obviously, there have been some, you know, quite a few minor moves as well. No disrespect to Dylan Hetherington or even like Alexi Haponiemi, eh, you know, not too much to talk about there. Uh, the first big signing to talk about is the Pittsburgh Penguins did get a deal done with one of their two big free agents, of course, Evgeny Malkin being the other, but Chris Letang, at 35 years old, has signed a six-year deal worth $6.1 million per. He has a full no-movement clause for the first four years of the deal and then a modified no-trade. That's not 100% confirmed, but that has uh, been Uh, what we've seen reported so far in regards to this deal. And honestly, I'm okay with it. It's obviously a risk when you're signing somebody who is 35 or older. This contract literally brings him to 41 years of age. Uh, At the same time, it would almost feel dirty to see Crystal Tang in a different uniform, right? Like he has been a full-time Penguin since the 07-08 season. He belongs on that team. I think that's just one of those guys that's just like, yeah, you can't really envision him on a different team. And granted, it's because he stayed healthier than a, I mean, he played more games this year uh, than he has played basically throughout his. I, okay. So since 2010, 2011, when he played a full 82 games, he has only played over 70 games in a season three times uh, 71 in 2015 16, 79 in 17 18, and then 78 this year. And not only that, but because he stayed healthy, this was Chris Letang's highest point-producing season ever. As crazy as that is, 2015-16, uh, the year that he had 71 games played, probably would have been the tops, but you could say about some other years as well because of his injury history. But I don't hate this deal for Pittsburgh. I don't, you could argue that moving into a new era is a better way to go in a sense, but they have $15.3 million. Uh, they have to re sign. Let's see. UFA is Louis Deming, Nathan Beaulieu, Evan Rodriguez, Ricard Raquel of Guinea Malkin, uh, Brian Boyle, and then RFA is Dayton Heinen and Casper Capitan. You're not going to be able to keep everybody, obviously, but for what they're trying to do, and I, I stand by it, like you still have Sidney Crosby at 34 years old, uh, soon to be, of course, 35, which is insanity, but. As long as you have these guys, go for it. Like, what's the point of letting Chris Letang go, and then who replaces Chris Letang? Right hand side behind him, they have John Marino and Chad Ruiedel. Uh Both are solid. Marino's a good defensive defenseman. Ruweedle's rather underrated as a third pairing guy. But then you're talking about maybe Mark Friedman, um, who in limited sample size has done pretty well. But then right handed prospects. I mean, they don't really have anybody that's that's signed already. And there's really no built in replacement. You might as well keep Crystal Tang. Uh, and speaking of uh, potentially former Penguins, we talked about Malkin. We'll see what happens there. But Marc Andre Fleury stayed with the Minnesota Wild. $3.5 million for two years, full no movement clause for those two years. Uh, good deal for him. I-, I do think, you know, Fleury, depending on where he wanted to go. Uh, certainly a lot of teams looking for a goalie who can play up to his caliber. Obviously, he's had some consistency issues throughout his entire career. But, you know, he stays in Minnesota. I'm not surprised. I think had he stayed in Chicago all season, unless they specifically asked him not to come back, (laughs) they were always going to deal him. But you get the point. Like he was he was bound to kind of just pick a spot and be like, I'm staying here. That's it. Uh, For Minnesota, honestly, I mean, I get that there's some controversy now surrounding Cam Talbot and what might happen there, but this was probably their best bet in goal. Uh, The UFA market has almost dried up in in a sense. I mean, you could argue, you know, he could have gotten paid more, but at the same time, especially after a trade that we'll talk about in a little bit, there's like two goalies, like it's Kemper and Jack Campbell. And if you're Marc-Andre Fleury, do you want to necessarily... Have to compete with those two, or just take safe money in Minnesota. And for Minnesota, do you want to try to spend more money on one of those two, or just go with Mark Andre Fleury? So it kind of works out. Uh, Minnesota also re-signed defenseman Jacob Middleton about two point five million. It was two four five uh, for three years after acquiring him from the Sharks at the trade deadline. I don't mind this either. Um, you know, s- limited sample size again for Middleton in his time at the NHL level so far, but he has played very well in that time. I know a lot of Wild fans are pretty pretty optimistic about that. I do think their defensive situation's a bit interesting. Uh, they have Jared Spurgeon making just about 7.6, Brodeen making six, Dumba making six, now the just about 2.5 million of Middleton, two and a quarter from Dmitry Kulikov, 2 million for Golagoski, and the 1.2 for John Merrill, Jordy Benza, UFA. They do have some defenders that you'd think they'd want to try to start working. Into the mix, Kalen Addison at 22 years old comes to mind. And then obviously in terms of prospects, they just picked up Brock Faber, uh, who is still going to be at the University of Minnesota. So it's, it's an interesting situation for, for many, but I don't hate it. And then Columbus re-signed Adam Bokovic, $2.6 million, uh, of a cap hit for three years. As we'll talk about, the Seth Jones to Chicago trade just keeps getting better for this team uh my god and actually i mean we can talk about it now i mean <laughs> it's it's one of the most one-sided trades i think we've seen in a while seth jones was better in chicago this year despite chicago being a frankly woeful team right like we we can call that what it is they were they were shit but this trade is, uh, is is something is something special. It, it really, really is. Um, not only do you get Adam Boquist. not only do you get. I'm sorry. Like I'm looking at the trade, and it's just like, oh yeah, no, this is uh, this is, this is worse than I remember it, and it really is. It really is that bad. It is Adam Boquist... Cole Sillinger with the 12th overall pick last year. Alexi Haimasamy with the 44th overall pick last year. And then they got David Yarosek 6th overall this year. For Seth Jones, Nolan Allen at 32 overall last year. And then Dominic James at pick 173 in the 6th round of this year's draft. Columbus, man. Columbus. Good Lord. Great signing for both of us, too. Uh, In terms of the other trades that happened that I kind of alluded towards there, uh, the New York Rangers actually kicked things off the morning of the draft. Actually, it might have been the day before. But they sent goaltender Alex Georgiev to the Colorado Avalanche for a third-round pick this year that became Bryce McConnell Barker, a fifth-rounder this year that became Maxim Barbashev. Yes, the brother of Ivan Barbashev, and a third-round pick next year. So in talking about the deal for both sides, for the New York Rangers, pretty good haul there for somebody that, was on an expiring contract, if I am not mistaken, and, you know, kind of, I think kind of made it clear like he he had the aspirations as being more of a backup, and indeed, he's an RFA. I just think his time in New York was done. Obviously, Shesterkin is their guy, so the backup, you can afford to spend a little bit less money to boost the team up around him. Um, so for the Rangers, I I don't hate it. You know, they get a couple of draft picks. We'll see what those draft picks become and they don't have to spend a ton of money on a goalie for the Colorado avalanche. It's interesting because this basically it's all but confirmed. Darcy Kemper is gone. He's going to win a Stanley cup. He didn't have the best stat line to do it, but he was going to win a Stanley cup and he will be on the way out, which is very surprising because Pavel has signed. So it's going to be Franzos and Georgiev two guys who have never uh, proven to be, you know, never really even given a shot necessarily to be the guy. And we're going to see which one of the two kind of rises to the occasion to try to drag this team, not necessarily drag this team, but give this team the opportunity to go back to back because they might just have the potential to do so. That said, you know, you're probably losing Nazem Kadri. You have to re-sign, I mean, Lekin and Burakovsky, Nachushkin. So mm, a little bit shaky there, but I don't hate the deal for either side. And for the uh, Colorado Avalanche, you weren't going to get involved in the um, obviously, if you're letting Kemper go, you weren't going to go in that direction and you weren't going to get involved in the Jack Campbell sweepstakes, as it's being called. <sighs> then there was this train. <laughs> and my reaction to it tonight is the same as it was yesterday afternoon and last night. Chicago sends Alex DeBrinckitt to the Ottawa Senators for the seventh overall pick that became defenseman Kevin Korczynski. The 39th overall pick that became Paul Ludwinski and a third round pick in two years in 2024. I said as much on Twitter and I stand by it. Chicago could win a cup with Korczynski and Ludwinski and whoever they get with that third round pick down the road. And this is still a god awful trade. Alex Debrinkit is a phenomenal offensive player at the NHL level. You do not let go of a talent like this at his age. Oh, but he had one year left, and he was an RFA. Pay him. Not only do you pay him for the on-ice performance, and I said this numerous times, it's why I always mention on the show that he should have been the next captain of the team. Go back and look at how he handled the media and how he talked during the Kyle Beach investigation and all of that news coming out. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, what did they do? The same old, oh, you know, that just... It's not really in the character of the the guys that we know. They did that bullshit. Like, when are we going to move past that? Right? Like, I get it. It can be difficult at a time to realize, like, oh, yeah, shit. No, this guy that you, you thought you knew and you didn't. Like, Jesus, people said the same thing. And I'm not equating this situation to that. But you hear this literally all the time. It goes back; like it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like it, what what the crime is necessarily. You're always going to have somebody saying, "Oh man, Ted Bundy, he was such a great guy to me." And again, I'm not equating those two incidents, but you get the point. And that's immediately what Taves and Kane went to, and then they reneged on it, and it's like, "Oh, well, let's try to save face here." Whereas Alex DeBrink, it was just straightforward; spoke his mind, and essentially didn't try to hide anything or defend anybody. That won me over as a fan of his. Bottom line. that That is a leader compared to who the supposed leaders of the Chicago hockey team are. Bottom line. Um, you know, they can try to blow up that organization. Bottom line is you still have the same people at the helm of it. Granted, they were successful before, but at the same time, are you going to be able to be successful when a spotlight's forever going to be on you because you had the... Uh, You know, you you had the priority of let's win over anything else. Again, this is nothing against Chicago fans. I have nothing against you guys. This has nothing to do with 2013. I promise you, despite being a Bruins fan, there's nothing to do with that. I've said numerous times when Chicago won in 2010, who the hell do you think I was rooting for? Chicago or Philadelphia? Come on now. The end of the day, uh, just a a ridiculously bad trade. Ridiculously bad for Chicago. For Ottawa, (laughs) Pierre Dorian fleeced somebody, you guys. Congratulations, it finally happened. Uh, every squirrel finds a nut, apparently. Um, I I love what this means for Ottawa. Obviously, with Kachuk, with Batherson, with Stutzla, even someone like Connor Brown, who's still there and is a rather underrated player still. Now that the spotlight of Toronto's off of him, amazing deal. And genuinely, you know, I I look. At the sends and people have been like, oh, do you think, and again, you look at, like, Buffalo, Montreal, Detroit, and Ottawa as the teams in the Atlantic that missed. Oh, who do you think will jump up? I I might give Ottawa as good of a nod as Detroit. I think Buffalo, I'm sorry, but, like, Craig Anderson and, like, probably Lukanen and Goal, I can't bank on that. Montreal still tearing down a little bit. It's between Ottawa and Detroit for one of those two to push for one of these spots, and I really like how the Sens are looking right now. They're not a perfect team. They're not a cup-contending team in theory. But holy hell, does the addition of Alex Dabrinkit bring that team to an entirely different level? I just spoke to about Montreal as well. And uh, <laughs> it's funny because the Brinket trade, I was literally sitting here. All right, got to go to a doctor's appointment. Get to the office, sit down. Bam, the Dabrinkit trade happened. And it just kind of goes to show how fast things can happen. And then Montreal took it to an entirely different level. As they traded defenseman Alex Romanoff uh, and along uh, with that, a 2022 fourth round pick that became prospect Isaiah George, sent those two things to the New York Islanders in exchange for the 13th overall pick. And we're like, oh man, what a trade-up. First and foremost, what does this mean for the Islanders? Uh, we kind of know that they were talking to the Vancouver Canucks about JT Miller and elected to go with this instead. Probably a mistake. Romanov, still young, good certainly makes that defense a little bit more stable. Uh, They really haven't recovered from uh, not being able to figure out how to work the pieces around to keep Devon Taves, which is obviously a horrific mistake. Um, But Romanoff helps quite a bit, especially if you let go of Chara and Andy Green. But JT Miller might have been what you needed a little bit more, a little bit more offensive firepower, maybe, or maybe you just would have turned him into Kyle Palmieri. For Montreal, they then send that 13th overall pick, a third-round pick that became Gavin Hayes to Chicago for Kirby Dock. So Montreal gives up Romanoff, Isaiah George, Frank Nazar, and Gavin Hayes for Kirby Dock. I like Kirby Doc. He's had some injury troubles. I still think he could reach his potential. Holy Hell is that a gamble. That is a gigantic, gigantic gamble. You would have thought this lottery was being held or this draft was being held in Vegas. For Chicago, I like this trade a lot. It's a hell of a lot better. I mean, the Brinkett trade was brutal, but for Kirby Doc, not that I necessarily think you should have given up on him, you know, but you do pick up Frank Nazar, Gavin Hayes to get you a little bit more depth, and then hey. Who knows? I mean, a lot of people really did like Nazar uh, coming out of this draft. We'll see. This really does depend on what Kirby Doc becomes, and if in that Montreal system with other younger guys like Cole Caulfield and with Martin Saint Louis at the helm, can he hit the level that you expect the third overall pick to be able to hit? Um, on paper, I I can't necessarily like I don't know for the Islanders. Like I said, it's Romanoff and Isaiah George for a thirteenth. Eh. For Chicago, it's okay. It's not a loss. And then for Montreal, this will be a trade that we're going to talk about for a long time, for better or worse. Uh, and speaking of for worse, uh, Toronto. Chicago, what what the fuck was this trade, though? And Chicago had a weird day. Toronto sends Peter Morazic and the 25th overall pick that became Sam Renzel to Chicago for the 38th overall pick that became Ford Fraser minton Toronto moved back 13 spots, and that was enough to be able to get a team to bite to take nearly $4 million of salary of Peter Morazic. I, again, maybe it's the NHL franchise player in me, I just find it hard to believe that Chicago couldn't get more from Toronto. Even just like another another prospect, another lower pick. I'm not saying a, a, this crazy good high-level prospect. But where's Toronto's negotiating power? You know that they have to get rid of the guy. And you moved up 13 spots, which isn't bad. But at the same time, how drastic of a difference is pick 25 to 38? I don't know. Uh, for Chicago, again, just like, eh, it's, it's okay. I'm shocked he didn't get more. For the Leafs, plan the parade. That's $3.8 million of who knows what. Figuring out the goaltending situation is what that is. Uh, and at the same time, again, you didn't really have to do much to get rid of it. So I I certainly don't hate this deal for the open Leafs. They're rocking about $10.2 million in cap space right now. Uh, RFA's Engval, Kasha, and Sandine. I'd imagine Sandine's the only one that's going to stick around. <laughs> UFA's Blackwell, Mikheyev, Labushkin, and obviously Jack Campbell. So... All eyes on Kyle Dubas, but at the same time, uh, after the Lugan deal, the Giordano deal, he has made some pretty good signings. But uh, we'll see at the end of the day, won't we? Uh, Another Canadian team that, uh, well, uh, was involved in an interesting trade. The Edmonton Oilers sent forward Zach Cassian, the 29th overall pick that became defender Maverick Lamoureux and his parents that were tonguing in the stands Uh, a 2024 third rounder and a 2025 fifth rounder sent all of that to Arizona for the 32nd overall pick, which became Reed Schaefer who outright looks like the older, the douche older brother from home alone. Um, Once you see it, you won't be able to unsee it, but that is exactly what he looks like. He looks like buzz and it's hilarious to me. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, Obviously for Edmonton this was a cap dump to get rid of Zach Cassian you move back three spots so that's not bad the third and the fifth eh and then you get rid of Zach Cassian it's not it's not the the most brutal asking price in the world you know especially when we saw Arizona uh trade up like they did uh, to get Connor geeky at 11 there were some teams that made some very interesting kind of leaps in terms of trading. So I really don't hate this for Edmonton. They get rid of the Zach Cassian contract. And then, I mean, that's 3.2 million off the books there. Right. And then why not talk about this now? Not only did they clear the $3.2 million of Zach Cassian, but the big news of day two, aside from a couple of trades that we're going to talk about is the fact that Duncan Keith has retired at age 38 um obviously you you know my thoughts i literally just kind of mentioned it earlier in this show about that era of the chicago hockey team uh but duncan keith three times down the cup champ two-time norris winner con Smythe winner he's a future hockey hall of famer he is um but again after that scandal and everything and kind of looking at you know not necessarily that duncan keith was like the full-on leader of that group at that point but Blame me if you want to. I look at those players a little bit differently. The Oilers, after clearing that $3.2 million of Cassian, then get to clear about $5.5 million off the books. Um, crazy. Absolutely crazy. So the Oilers now are sitting at $15.8 million in cap plus... The 4 million uh, presumed of LTIR for Oscar clefbaum if he does not <laughs> come back. So they are rocking I mean $20 million in cap space. And otherwise it's 16 and Clefbaum comes back. Not a bad idea either, so long as he's not completely cooked. But again, it's not looking too great for him. Uh they do have 750k of retained cap from Milan Lucic and 3.4 million of uh dead cap from buyouts on James Neal and Andre Sakara, so that's a little bit rough. But that's a lot of money to work with. Again, they have to resign Like, UFAs right now, Brett Kulak, Chris Russell, Turris Sevier, Evander Kane's the big one, Broussard, and Archibald, Yamamoto Pugliarby, and McLeod are RFAs. Ken Holland, I have been incredibly critical of him. This is his time to prove that he is not cooked as a GM. Like, this has to be his last chance. If he cannot weaponize this cap space properly to get this done, get out, man. You're cooked. Like, this is your chance. And, you know, I used the phrase, uh, you know, I'm actually trying to think of what phrase I did use (laughs) last night in that video. Essentially that they were trying to right the ship. And, you know, it was mentioned like, hey, they made it to the Western Conference Final. My point is, though, they made it to the Western Conference Final and got swept. Connor McDavid, and yes, he was injured, but Leon Dreisaitl, anything shy of making a cup final, anything shy of winning the cup with the best player in the world on your team, Leafs fans are like, what do you mean? Austin Matthews plays in Toronto. Uh, Anything shy of that's a failure. It is. And let's be honest. Leafs fans, we'll we'll bring it back to you for a moment. Uh, Are you going to be happy if you made the Western Conference Final and got swept? No. No, you're not. Because you know that that team, that core, has the capabilities of winning a Stanley Cup. You'll sit there and say, well, at least we got out of the first round. But are you actually going to be happy? No. Because nobody's happy when you lose in a Western Conference Final. Nobody is. It's just how it works. So I don't hate this deal for either side. For Arizona, uh, Maverick Lamoureux, again, he's huge, and his parents have no problem tonguing in public. Uh, and then today, uh, one of the first big deals that were out there, and actually before that, Duncan Keith. <laughs> so for the Oilers, it's great. Chicago, you get bent over again. Uh, so they got $6.4 million in cap space after getting rid of the brinket, and now they have a $5.5 million recapture penalty because of Keith's retirement. And then 1.9 million next year. So uh, not really going to be able to weaponize that cap space, are you? And nobody shed a tear for you, for the team, for the fans. Yeah, guys, I admit this sucks. You guys are uh, in for it rough. I mean, this this could be worse than like the Eric Daze led Chicago uh, squads of the past. This this could be pretty damn rough. Uh, one of the other deals that happened here. And I'm very surprised by this. The St. Louis Blues, probably losing Ville Husso. He was kind of the third, maybe fourth big name out there in terms of the UFA goalie market. They send Ville Husso to the Detroit Red Wings for a third round pick that became Alex Santelli Kaskimaki earlier today. I am very intrigued. Uh, Number one for St. Louis. Hey, you got something for a guy who was leaving. For Detroit, it's an interesting one because you were already paying the $3 3 million and now you're paying Huso 4.75 after re-signing him for 3 years. This screams to me we're putting pressure on Alex Nadelkovich to prove that you are the guy that everyone's like wow, how is Carolina so dumb for letting him go. This is putting all the pressure on him cuz he's a UFA at the end of this upcoming season. Maybe Vili Huso is their guy. And the thing is, they can afford to kind of mess around like this. Because, in theory, they have a gem in the system in Sebastian Casa, So, again, always trust the Iser plan. Always, always trust it. Washington also moved a goalie. Um, I I, I don't quite understand this one either at, at first glance. They moved Vitek Vanacek, you know, the guy who they lost to Seattle and then traded to reacquire. They moved Vitek Vanacek, the 46th overall pick that became defender Seamus Casey, to the New Jersey Devils for the 37th that became Ryan Chesley and a third-round pick that became Alex Suzdalev. So you move Vanacek in the 46th. So you move up by utilizing Vanacek. So in goal, you're going to have to be in the market unless you plan on running Samsonov and Zach Fucale or like Phoenix Copley. They're going to have to get somebody unless they trust Fukale, who did play very well in four games last year. But are you hundred percent sure there? So that's a bit weird for Washington, but it's also very weird for the Devils. Now Vanacek is an RFA, so a very similar situation to Georgiev. Vanacek's an RFA, but they have Mackenzie Blackwood signed for one more year at two point eight. Then he's an RFA, and Jonathan Bernier at four one two five, and he's going to be a UFA at the end of next year. Bernier ended the season on LTIR. I haven't heard anything about his career being done. But there have been a whole lot of rumors about teams maybe trading for Mackenzie Blackwood. And that's kind of what this screams. Is that he might be gone. Or not. Or if Bernier is done, then they go with Blackwood and Vanacek. I'm kind of puzzled. Devils fans, help me out here. Is, is Bernier done? Or are you fully expecting that Mackenzie Blackwood's gone? Because it, it has to be one of those if you're going out and getting VTech Vanacek. <sighs> Let's talk about the lesser trade first. San Jose sent John Leonard and a third round pick next year to Nashville for Luke Coonan. Why? Um, I got to be honest. I, I don't like looking at the draft as like, oh, yep, this guy's cooked already. But Mike Greer, 27th overall, the Sharks took Philip Biestead. A little bit of a reach, according to a lot of people. We'll talk about the draft last year, obviously. And then you make this deal where I'm not saying that John Leonard is potentially anything special. As a matter of fact, he just kind of seems like another one of those players for the Sharks that has some promise, but just might not be able to pan out like they, they've had a lot of players uh, like that. But Luke Koonen I don't quite. My chair will not stop clicking, and I apologize for that. Uh, Luke Koonen I I don't know, man. Like, he's 24. RFA, I believe, has some goal-scoring potential, but just... Honestly, to me, it's like I look at Luke Kunin and I look at Kevin LeBanc and like some of the stat lines that LeBanc was putting up in the past, and it just kind of feels like the Spider-Man meme. And you made a mistake in signing Kevin LeBanc. Not that they're totally the same type of player, but at the same time, it's just... I don't know. I don't know. I'm intrigued with Sharks fans. I would have loved to have Sin on the show to be able to talk about just how optimistic he is about that move. And then there's the super interesting move today. John Tortorella is the new head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. John Tortorella will now be the head coach for Tony D'Angelo, who along with the seventh round pick that became Alexis Gendron uh, are now a part of the Flyers in exchange for a fourth round pick that became Simon Forsmark, a 2023 third and a 2024 second. Uh, D'Angelo, you know, probably wasn't going to be hanging around Carolina for all that long. Uh, for the Hurricanes, damn good return, a second, a third, and a fourth. <laughs> and for Philadelphia, the rumored extension is not confirmed at the time of recording as two years of $5 million per. Yeah. Um, The Chuck Fletcher experience, as a lot of Flyers fans have called it, and if we look at what that defense is shaping up to be for Philly right now, left-hand side, Proveroff, Sanheim, and Cam York, that's honestly not that bad. Right-hand side, D'Angelo, Ristolainen, and then if Ryan Ellis is healthy, because he only played four games last year, he would also be in the mix. Right hand side, if he's not, they have Ronnie Adderd, who they signed out of the NCAA last year. I don't know how good Philly's gonna be next year. But then again, maybe somehow they'll figure it out and be a team that can actually make the playoffs and figure it out. I I totally understand Flyers fans, if you don't have a ton of confidence right now, because uh, there have been some choices and obviously that Rasmus Ristolainen deal, 5.1 million until 2027. It's a little bit rough, <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, only other thing to note outside of kind of the draft itself is that Joe Sackick won GM of the year, because of course he did. And, and then in terms of the draft itself, I wanted to save it for last because I said the same thing in the video that I put it on YouTube. I don't have a ton to say here, if I'm being honest. I really don't um, because it, it's a toss up, man. It's a toss up. I will say, like before the draft started, um, I really think Gary Bettman handled himself well. I really thought, you know, the way and I get the idea of people like for night one of the draft went slow and I get the idea of people not liking the way that everyone comes up. It's like we want to say congratulations to Colorado, blah, blah, blah. At the same time. I I thought the way that a lot of teams handled, you know, mentioning and Gary Bettman at the start of what as well, mentioning the passing of Brian Marchment. And you could tell just how that kind of put a damper on, on things for a lot of the, the older front office personnel that obviously would have been friends with him and been around him or played with him. Even Mike Greer did as the, you know, now the new GM of the sharks. Um, And obviously it's just, it's horrible. And I mentioned it in the last show, but just the idea of like he was in Montreal for the draft and just, It's horrible. So I thought the way they handled acknowledging him was great. And then allowing um, the son of Guy Lafleur to speak and the daughter of Mike Bossy. Just awesome. And the Montreal crowd as well. At that point, you could tell how loud and supportive they were. And then the first overall pick comes up. And as everybody knows, they take Slavkovsky over Shane Wright. My thoughts... We'll see how it pans out. You know, it was surprising in a sense that every year we do get the, oh, well, this guy, will this dark horse actually be the number one? And sometimes it happens. Nico Heischer over Nolan Patrick. Uh, It didn't really feel like this was going to be the year to do it. Um, There were reports that Slavkovsky walking into the building on the red carpet was getting booed by Habs fans. Uh, There were people with the right choice T-shirts, with the CH being the Habs logo. There were people with Shane Wright Habs jerseys in the building, and Slavkovsky's name gets called, or you hear Slovakia. And that place, you have the the gasps. And then, at least on ESPN's broadcast, it went pretty damn quiet. You now I had friends in the building who said, actually, it ended up being kind of pretty loud. And after the initial kind of shock of it, people got more supportive of him. And I believe it. You know, eventually there were the clips of Slavkovsky going up and down the stands, shaking hands with fans, for God's sakes. But at the same time, at least on TV, the moment really felt like that's not who we wanted. And that's got to be real tough for a player like that. I'm sure he feels a bit better about it, but part of me thinks, I mean, unless he's just, who knows? Obviously, none of us are ever really going to be in that position to know what it feels like to get your name called first overall at the NHL draft. But at the same time, I'd be shocked if he didn't notice, and maybe he doesn't care. But just how quiet that building went. Because you got drafted by the Montreal Canadiens in Montreal. The reaction you expect, and I said this in the video and I said it on Twitch last night the reaction you expect is a stone cold Steve Austin entrance on Monday Night Raw in 1999, just people going ballistic. And that's not what happened. Could be a big motivating factor. Uh, The Devils took their defenseman in Simon Nemich. I don't hate that. Arizona, I think, very clearly had their guy in Logan Cooley. Um, I don't think they expected Shane Wright to be there. And at the same time, they didn't panic move and they went with their guy. And I I don't hate it for them. Time will tell if they're right or not. And then Seattle gets Shane Wright at four. From the looks of it, he death stared the uh, Habs table. I don't blame him for that either. What's wrong with the player staring you down? Just being like, yeah, you made a mistake not taking me. What's wrong with that? Nothing. And if you have a problem with that, it's like he has an attitude, then you're a 40-year-old man or you're acting like it. And I'm surprised you knew how to find this podcast. <laughs> uh, but for Seattle, Maddie Bennears and Shane Wright, not a bad way to kick off a franchise, even if they, uh, let's be honest, they, they fucked the expansion draft. We all know they did. Uh, Philly taking Cutter Godier. We'll see if it works out. Yerasek to Columbus. Uh, again, just LOL, because Columbus, uh, a few picks later, also got Denton Matejcek. <laughs> i love what columbus is building on paper it looks phenomenal uh, again chicago took kevin Korczynski. i don't necessarily hate it detroit took marco casper uh of course eisman took a swedish center he'll, i think he's yeah he's a center uh he'll end up being the next henrik zetterberg probably because it's dave Eiserman. buffalo getting savoy i don't hate uh, the ducks took uh mintikoff on defense and later on they got nathan Gaucher, which again like, I, I can't really look at too many of these picks like yeah You can sit there and debate like, oh, these guys had him way back at pick 40 and stuff like that. But at the same time, nobody knows, man, that's the glory of the draft. You can be upset. And trust me, there were times where I was super upset over, man, you took this guy instead of that guy. But at the same time, sometimes you take the guy and it ends up being a mistake. Zach Hamill over Logan Couture, like. Just it, it's it's the draft, man. It's the beauty of the draft is you just never quite know how it's gonna pan out. I do like Lakira Maki to Vancouver at fifteen, yokim Kamel to Nashville. Of course, Nashville gets another, you know, finish forward. Um no real over like you know, complaints. Like I said, I acknowledge like Philip Beestead was probably taken a little bit earlier than a lot of people thought. Brad Lambert falling to thirtieth. Um, you know, there were reports that the Bruins were trying to trade into the first round. I feel like that's the guy that you go for, right? If you're going to risk trading into the first round, that's the boomer bust guy to go for, but that very much didn't pan out. Tampa getting Isaac Howard at 31. The guy put up 82 points in 60 games with the uh, U.S. developmental program. Of course, they'd get a guy like that. Of course, they would. Like, he screams like a nothing player at the NHL level, or he's going to be like Marcheseau or something like that. And then maybe they'll get rid of him, too, when they shouldn't, but just um, interesting. Very, very interesting. And then again, the second round happened today, and you can go through the names and, you know, happy or not. Like I said, time will tell. Like, even today, though, right? Like, I don't know. Pick number 53 Anaheim took defenseman Tristan Luno out of the uh, Gatineau Olympics. And I mentioned before, I really like him. The Bruins pick next, took forward Matthew Poitras, I believe, from the Guelph Storm. Part of me is like, God damn it. I wish the Bruins got Tristan Luno. Maybe Tristan Luno ends up being nothing. Maybe Matthew Poitras ends up being amazing. Or maybe it's the opposite, and I'm rightfully mad five to ten years from now. I can't wait to find out. It's the glory of the draft. But like I said, I don't really have too many too many opinions, really, outside of that. I'm excited, obviously, to be able to look back at yet another draft, especially when you have such like a controversial choice of did Montreal make the right call at number one. Um, I will say one of my names in the draft, though, because I always like looking through those. Uh, Owen Mellenbacher picked 201 to Detroit. Mellenbacher, just a great. great... <laughs> there were um, there were a couple, there were a couple of decent names. A uh, big fan of Dalen Kufler of the Kamloops Blazers. He went to the uh, he went to the New York Islanders. Um, there was a German Maximilian Juber, spelled M A K S Y M I L I A N. Just round of applause for that. Oh, and then my favorite name of the draft. Zam Plant. Z-A-M-Z if you're elsewhere. Plant. For the Pittsburgh Penguins pick number 150. That's the most important thing. Not who got the best player, but who has the most interesting name. And Zam Plant is my winner of the draft. Everybody with that, I'm going to call it quits for the solo show. I didn't think we'd go almost uh, 45 minutes here or so, but we did. Again, Manscaped.com. Use go Tiggy. We'll be back next week. Maybe. I don't know. Will Endo be here? Will Rogers figure their shit out? Will Sin come back from Finland? No, I don't think he's coming back for like another week. Who knows? But I thank you guys very much for watching and or listening, and we will see you later on. Down the road, the Tookie Steak podcast done for this week. Bring on free agency.